actor, author, certified life coach, encourager, family man, dynamic inspirational speaker, and so much more. Welcome to my podcast, Get Your Positivity with Harold Keith. Hello and welcome to another episode of Get Your Positivity with Harold Keith. Today I have a special guest coming through on a line, someone I can call my friend and family. I'm super excited about this episode. We're going to dive deep on a topic that affects a lot of people in this world. However, before we get into all of that, this woman is a true example of not looking like what she's been through. Again, not looking like what she's been through. Beautiful inside and out. Known her for years and had no idea that the topic we will be discussing today has been a part of her journey here on earth. I am truly honored and privileged to introduce my good friend and family, Michelle with one L. (laughs) Welcome, 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 Michelle. Thank you for dialing in. And before you even say anything, before you get started, before we reveal what we're going to be discussing today on this episode, I want people to know who you are. And I know there are some people who are listening and they're saying, I know Michelle with one L, but I promise you, you will get to learn the real Michelle today. Not saying that your your moments with Michelle have not been authentic. But what I'm saying is there is depth to her story. And those who do not know who Michelle is, hang on tight because I promise you this topic that we're going to be covering today can really, really, really help somebody. So with that being said, Michelle, I want you to explain to everyone or, or for lack of better words, introduce to everyone who is Michelle. You know, when you ask me that question, I'm sitting here and reflecting, like, who is Michelle? I know who I was, and now I am learning who I am becoming. And I really believe that I'm a person that has been peeled back. Michelle has just been peeled and peeled and peeled and peeled until I was really ready to accept who I really am and be okay with being attractive, being intelligent, and really having a good personality and a good heart. I have a lot of confidence now, and it feels so good to be able to be me, just to be. And that's who Michelle is right now. 
as I continue to evolve into where God has me to go. I think you did a great job of just describing who you are. And the thing about life is you're forever evolving and changing because you're being pressed and you're peeling as you discussed. And you're always becoming a better person or growing in a sense. So you always have to get to know yourself over and over and over again. So what you said and how you described yourself was very profound in the reality of what life is and it's evolving and accepting yourself and growing and learning from your mistakes. So I am glad to know you yet again. And I'm actually glad to be discussing such a sensitive yet major topic with someone who I've known for so long, but had no idea the true story behind what they've become and what they've overcame. So I'm ready to share with the audience what this episode is about. Today, we are focusing on the topic of addiction. Addiction, the fact or condition of being addicted to a particular substance, thing, or activity. The fact or condition of being addicted to a particular substance, thing, or activity. So, of course, this definition has come from Google. So you can Google the definition, but I'm just sitting here because what this definition said to me spoke volumes. It's not saying it's only this one genre of addiction that you can have. It can literally be an addiction to anything. And that's the thing that's real deep. And I feel like so many people deal with addictions. And I even can say at this point, maybe I've dealt with some addictions and didn't know. Maybe not to the extent of having to check into a rehab or, or go to counseling or anything of that nature for it. But I feel like... Maybe I've been addicted, maybe to some relationships that weren't healthy for me, um, because, you know, it's it's a disease in a sense. And it's 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 something that is so serious. And addiction is a very powerful thing when you give it that power. I was just doing some reading and. And the statistics are real. They are real about so many different types of addictions. Just reading some of the, you know, general statistics um, I went to, for those who are interested in where I got this information from, um, I went to disturbmenot.co and, and, and I looked up addictions, but the statistics of addictions, that is. But it really put things in perspective and just a few of the things I read it was just, it was just, I, I don't know. It said approximately 5 million Americans regularly use cocaine. And it said meth is currently used by approximately 897,000 teenagers and adults in America. One in every 16 adults reported having a substance use disorder. And that was in 2017. So 
you can only imagine. And it says, and the thing that just blew my mind the most is only 10% of Americans dealing with addiction receive treatment. Now, I'm just sitting here and I had to take a second because, Michelle, honestly, I've known you for years. And I stress that because I've known you. You've you've we've had intimate moments when it comes to like sitting down at dinners and, and talking and your family is my family. My family is your family. Yet this whole time and knowing you, I had no idea that you had dealt with any type of addiction had absolutely no clue and it was a casual conversation that took place and you had briefly mentioned it and I kind of was like wait what but I kept it and I left it alone and then later on we had a conversation about it which led us here today but I didn't even ask you before having you as a guest what was your addiction or anything like that I just I left it alone because when you dialed in, I wanted it to be a raw and real conversation. And honestly, I don't even know if I'm really ready for this. But what I do know is it is so needed in this world today. There are so many things going on, so many adjustments being made to the point where it could literally drive you crazy. But I definitely want to shed some light on addiction. And again, for those who missed it, the fact or condition of being addicted to a particular substance, thing, or activity. So with that being said, Michelle, can you tell us your journey with addiction? Like, what was it? What is your journey? I don't even know what you were addicted to. Share with everyone the 411 of your experience with addiction. Yeah. <laughs> I know, Harold. I, first of all, I want to thank you for um, inviting me and allowing me to share. And I do, I, in, my, in my story, I do hope that it does make significant impact on someone or somebody's. I really do. You know, I was um, real young um, when I first started using, and um, it was a thing of fitting in because I was raised middle class and um, had to go to private schools all my life, all that kind of stuff, and um, I always felt different, so I would try to fit in, so i never forget my first attempt was Wild Irish Rose. You don't know nothing about that, Harold. You don't know nothing about Wild Irish Rose. Listen, I don't know who she is, what she did. I don't know nothing about no Wild Irish Rose. So what in the world, Michelle, is a Wild Irish Rose? Wild Irish Rose was an alcohol back in the day. And, um, uh... You know, when I was young and in, in Catholic school, you know, uh, in D.C., it was this store on the corner of 12th and Monroe Street, which is no longer there, the store. And they let us come in and buy alcohol. So we would 
leave the campus and uh, go in and, and buy alcohol. That was my first experience. And I liked the way it made me feel. You know, um, it made me feel like I was a part of something. And as time went on, I used to fight all the time. People never accepted me because I was light-skinned. I was skinny. I had long hair. You know, I went to private school, so they didn't accept me. You know, it was a struggle with, you know, um, different races, different ethnicities. So alcohol was my escape. And eventually I got tired of that and uh, was introduced to cocaine. That was the real substance that took me to a whole nother level. I was 18 years old and uh, I've been in the hair industry since I was 18, never wanted to go to college. And I was 18 years old and uh, I've always liked older guys when I was younger. And um, I never forget uh, this gentleman that I met through somebody uh, in back in the day when I was a hairstylist. It was back in the eighties, so the lifestyle was different. And um, you know, when I'm sitting here reflecting and thinking about what you're asking me, I'm having a flood of memories that are just coming back at at one time. You know, but I know that it was the lifestyle that got me most. It was just the lifestyle of being able to have that type of, of um, relationships with people that had money and were doing things and were partying and were doing this and was doing that. And, you know, I ran away from home, too. I ran away from home. And so it's so many parts of the story, Harold, but cocaine was the beginning of the end. It was the beginning of the end. And the, the denial that went along with it, that was the most destructive. I know now that God's hand was on me the whole entire time because I was real young. I was real young. And I first started out, you know, snorting just like everybody else, you know, and eventually I got introduced to crack. And that was a whole nother euphoria. And I, you know, when I look back and, and I think about the people that I was around, it just, it makes me shake my head. That's all I can say. You know, it just makes me shake my head because 90% of them are not here anymore. They're not here. You know, I was spared. So it was um, years of using, years of using, and it was so. I told, chose different lifestyles. I really went to the streets. I went strong to the streets because I felt like they were my family. I didn't feel like my middle class family, my father who was very strict, you know. I was I was loved, you know. I had a a praying grandmother. You know, and uh, but I, I chose the streets. I have, um, I've been uh, around all different types of people, but they were my family and they looked out for me, believe it or not. They protected me, believe it or not, you know. But I think the strongest part of my addiction was the lifestyle and the denial because I was functioning.
I had a clientele that was ridiculous. I went to work every day. I was never late. I was always on time, but I used all day long. I look back now, I don't know how I survived it. I really don't know. You brought up such a good point that addiction affects people in different ways. Here you were, full-time addict, and no one had a clue because you were functioning. You were... You were showing up on time. You were doing everything that you needed to do to the point where no one would have caught it. And although you seemed like you were okay on the outside, on the inside, you were tearing yourself apart. You were so high off of the feeling of being alone or the feeling of being rejected that you literally were getting high to try to numb everything that you were going with and 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 going through. And so that just is such an important thing because even in today's world, in today's society, mental health is so important. Your story is so relevant to what is happening and what has not gone away. And addiction is still here. It's been here for a while and it's still here. And the thing is, people mask it so well that even the ones closest to them don't even know when they need the help or what's going on with them. Here you are. You're functioning like nothing is happening. You are literally high off of life, in life. You're high on a substance that's just carrying you through day by day, giving you this false sense of reality. And no one around you could pick up the signs. And I'm sitting here and my next question for you was, you know, how did your family feel about this? Where did your family um, fit in and your friends during this time? But what I'm gathering from you right now is that they didn't even know that you needed the help. They didn't even know <laughs> what you were going through. Can you imagine? Like, do you know how many people are probably suffering right now? Even some that are listening to this. Do you like it just blows my mind? Like, how could they have known? Like, what is the family stance on this during this time? You know, I have a, a birth mother. And I didn't find out who she was until I was maybe, I think I was 13 or 14 years old. And uh, I was a, a lifeguard, a junior lifeguard at this pool in, in, uh, in D.C., a junior lifeguard. And this little boy used to follow me around and everything. And I used to be, who is this boy? So I went home and asked my grandmother and uh, kept asking her and asking her family. She told me the truth. And I found that I had this whole other family. That I knew nothing about, but they knew me. Eight, bro seven brothers and sisters in total. Wow. And a birth mother. So 
you know, when you go back to the looking at the film, and my brothers back then, they were Earth, Wind, and Fire fans, and because they felt like they, you know, they wanted me to feel a part of, they had this little place in the basement, and they used to have these little weed stubs, you know, down in the basement, you know, and I would go down and play their albums, and they wouldn't be there, and I would total on their little weed, you know, and stuff like that, you know, and it was all a part of that acceptance, but it was also rejection. I couldn't figure out why you didn't keep me. You know, I was the one she didn't keep. She had five before and two after, you know, but I was the one that she didn't keep. And, and I just think about all of the triggers and things that, you know, I didn't understand then, but we'll talk about that later. I'm sure what I learned about myself. And then let's not even talk about the hustlers and the lifestyle, the traveling and the, the clothes and the jewelry and the this and the But that lifestyle came with a cost, a cost that you didn't know would affect you in the, in the capacity that it did. It was a cost to the jewelry, to all of the things that you were going through. It's true, and it cost me my soul. You know, it was my soul. You know, um, I did not know God then. I, I did know about God because I was born and raised Catholic. But it, it took my soul. Even though I would put on that smiling face and, you know, I was young, you know, so you feel in, invincible. And, Harold, I'm telling you, you know, as I'm thinking, I think the stories, you know, just the stories and the different pieces of the puzzles that just started just coming together. It's, it's just through the grace of God that I am look the way I look today. And sitting here talking to you about it today. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the next question. But, like, I'm just curious because at this point in your life, cocaine was your your mother. It was your father. It was your boyfriend. It was your best friend. It was literally your everything. It filled the void in your mind and at the time of all the things that were missing in your life. It became your better half. So my question to you is, when did you decide enough was enough and that you had to make a change? Because I hear so many stories. I hear so many things. Sometimes it, 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 it's too late to be saved. Other times people are on their deathbed because it just... They've hit rock bottom. So for you, what was it? When did you, what was the situation? Like when was enough enough? And when did you realize you had to make the change? It was decided for me. I, um, I had a child, my firstborn daughter. I was 25 when I became pregnant. And um, I was using then. I was using then. And through the grace of God, she's not a crack baby. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, I think she was maybe about two years young after a series of events that um, 
she had gone through and I had put us through. My dad came to me one day with court papers. And I was working at this salon, well-established salon, and um, it was a lady there. I did not know that she was a recovering addict, okay? But she used to keep her, we would talk all the time. She was a client of somebody. And we just used to talk, and she just used to say things to me, and I would be like, okay, okay, you know, good to see you. Uh, you know, would help sometime with shampooing her hair, whatever the case may be in between clients and everything. And uh, one day I went home and my dad said, um, I'm about to take your child. And I looked at him and I said, what? He said, I'm about to take your child. He said, you either going to start going to meetings or I'm going to take your child. And I was like, going to meetings for what? You know, and I didn't know that this woman and he had been conversing, had been talking and so, you know, I said, okay, 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 okay. But that wasn't the end. So I would go to the meetings, go in the meetings, leave the meetings, get high, go to the meetings. I did that for about another year and a half. Then one day, he had the papers written out. The judge had signed them and everything. And I heard him on the phone saying, you know how you sacrifice one to save the rest of the herd. And I went in there and I said, Dad, are you talking about me? Are you talking about me? And he said, get out of my house. Don't, don't step foot back in my house. And my stepmother at the time, the wonderful woman that she is, she came out behind me and she said, this is your last chance. She said, there will be a bus to come pick you up in the morning. If you're not on it, that's it. She said, this is your last chance. She said, your father is going to take your daughter. She's going to, he's going to take her. And I was like, mom, I don't have a problem. Harold, I might have been a size one, maybe. Sunken face, sunken, I mean, just, but you know, I was wearing the furs and the clothes and the, and, you know, I didn't know, but this gentleman at the time who I was dating, he was the one that really saved my life. And he was a hustler. He and my father, he went to my house. I didn't notice till afterwards. He went to my house and told my father everything, told my father where my stuff was, told my father where this was, that was, I mean, everything. Back then, I used to be registered, firearm, you know everything they went to my apartment and cleaned it out everything bags packed everything was done so i got in that van i got in that van the next morning had my little blow dry curling irons makeup all that stuff took everything clothes and everything and i forget i went to this place when i got there i was like is this the base motel that's what it looked like and it was a place called Mountain Manor. And when I got there, you had to go into a detox for seven days. 
And, you know, I'm still like, I'm going to be okay. I'm in, you know, I'm in denial. They took my curling iron. They took my scissors. They took my blow dryer. They took everything. They said, oh, you think you're going to continue doing what you're doing? No. They took all my clothes. They took everything. And they put you in this, like, um, scrub outfit. And I was in a room with another girl. And I cannot remember her name. And uh, she was detoxing, too. And after seven days, now, mind you, I still was wearing the mask. I still was in denial. I was walking around and everything. Those people, the, the, other, pac- the other patients, I didn't even think I was a patient. They thought I was a counselor because I had answers for everything. I had conversation for everything. And one day... This counselor, we were in this group meeting, and um, it was maybe about 40 people in there. And they were like, how many of you think you're going to make it after your time here at Mount Manor? He and I were the only two that did not stand. We stayed seated. And everybody else stood up, and I'm sitting up there looking at him, and he looking at me, and I was like, shh. Some bull shenanigans, you know. I didn't say that back then. <laughs> some bull shenanigans, you know. I was like, I was just biding my time. I was just biding my time. And one day, Harold, we were in group counseling. We were in in group. And when the counselor said something so horrific, it was like something. I felt like a snap in my head and I just started bawling I just start I, uncontrollably like I was on the floor I'll never forget that as long as I live like I couldn't breathe like I couldn't I was like gasping for breath it felt like somebody was strangling me you know and it was like he knew everything that I went through and I'm looking like who is this person and he was like, I, you know, you rejected. You feel like nobody accept you because you're pretty, so you want to be ugly, so you do everything to destroy yourself. And, try, and I'm looking, you know, and your parents and your mother. And he was just talking. And I'm looking, you know, and I, you asked me about my friends, you know. And, you know, I never really had a lot of friends. And the one true best friend I had, she never used And the other three good friends I had, they died. They died before I went into treatment. And I believe to this day that they died, especially one girl, so I could live. I really believe that with all my heart and soul. You know, because that was my ride or die. That was my ride or die. You know, and I was just, all those things just came flooding. And after that day, Harold, in that group session, I just started, I mean, it was just stuff coming out of my mouth. I didn't know who it was that was talking. And I didn't know that all that stuff was buried inside of me. You know, because the drugs, I had just compacted it, compacted it, compacted it. And because I was making money, because I was out there with the quote-unquote hustlers, you know, being that girl doing this, doing that. You know, I think about all of the things that I was spared from, some of the behaviors that I didn't do, you know. And I, 
I know that that was only God's grace. I've heard some stories, Harold, and I'm just like, thank you, Lord. But my bottom wasn't until I was in that session. Wow. Wow. So it took for a stranger to tell you about you in that moment for it to click. Isn't it funny how, you know, how God works and and how he places the right people in your life at the right time to save you from yourself? You see, Get Your Positivity here is all about turning the negatives and looking at life with a positive mindset. Here it is, your supplier who was your boyfriend at the time and and your the hustler he stepped in went around you went to your father had a conversation to save you from yourself because he seen something in you that you couldn't even see in yourself that's that's wild Like you had a purpose to live at this point in your life. You had your daughter. You had a reason to fight. And oftentimes we give up and we surrender to our situations, not realizing or not remembering that we can overcome those situations just like we overcome 100% of our worst days because we wake up still breathing. Here you are kicked out of your father's house. Your boyfriend going around your back and telling him what's going on. You are in denial. Then you get to this facility and you're still in denial. Until someone who you don't even know could see right through you to the point where you could not run from yourself anymore. You see, sometimes (laughs) it's funny, Michelle, because sometimes we always say that the enemy is coming for me. The enemy is coming for me. But sometimes it's God coming for you to get you back on track. It's not always the enemy. Sometimes we put ourselves in situations and God is saying, no, I need you to be here. So I just want to give a simple quick PSA to anybody who's listening, who's going through addiction, whether you're functioning, whether you're not, anybody who knows somebody who's going through addiction um, that does not know what to say. What I have to say about this so far, just based on what we discussed is your story isn't over yet. You still have a reason to breathe, to live. You have a reason to put down those substances, put down those things, put down those, those, what did they say? Those activities that are breaking you down. Now is the time to make a decision to choose you. Why choose death and put yourself six feet under where you can fly and succeed and thrive in your life? I know sometimes there are going to be people around you that are going to say some things about you, say some things to you, but you don't have to conform to the negative things that the world makes you out to be. 
You are so much more. You are a light. You are a light that will lead thousands, millions, trillions, and so on through some dark valleys by sharing your story and being an overcomer, the overcomer that you naturally are. It's not over. Make the decision to choose you. Addiction is real. But you have the strength and the power to overcome it. Addiction is so cunning. Google don't tell you that. It's so cunning. That's why I feel from my own experience, the denial sometimes can be so binding and I'm squeezing my fist so tight because of the cunningness and the bafflingness of the disease. And it is a disease. It is a disease. It's a disease of the mind and it is a disease of the spirit because it can rob you of things that you don't even know you've been robbed from. And I think for for people, especially now, because they have made it glamorous, you know, and it's not. I've, I've seen people that I knew Back in the day, when I've seen them, like, I didn't even recognize them by looking at them. That's how the addiction has just eaten away of everything that they had, you know. It's a baffling and cunning disease, and until you're ready to, it's it's that surrender. It's that word surrender, you know, and that's such a... A powerful word, especially for somebody like me, that I, I felt as though I was in control. I was I felt like I was in control. And things were happening all around me, but it wasn't happening to me. And and the clothes and, and it's that one is too many, a thousand of enough. I remember having four pairs, the same kind of shoes, and you know, it's it's those type of things, you know. And until people really get the tools to understand, but the digging deep, and it's the steps that you have to go through, you know, it can be sometimes overwhelming, but you have to have the right influence, I'm going to say, that battles that other influence, and I, I have a lot of gratitude, you know, and for so many years, even after getting clean, I still wanted to be accepted because, you know, people would say, you're so pretty, you so this, you so that, you know, but people just did not like me. So you need to tell me that you still at this point did not feel worthy You did not feel like you were being accepted. So is it safe to conclude that your usage and 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 your dependence on cocaine was an illusion to a false reality? 
Can we just say that it delayed the inevitable, the feeling that you were chasing, that you felt that cocaine and things gave you, ultimately, it really didn't even feel those voids. Those voids were never filled. That That's for those who are listening. Do not chase a void. Focus on what you have. Focus on the things that you thrive at. Focus on what's happening to you at the moment that lifts you up, inspires you. Be around people who truly do love you. Do not allow chasing a void to lead you to your grave. Make the decision. Make the decision not to delay the inevitable, not to create a false reality. Michelle, tell me, was it safe to conclude that that usage is an allusion to a false reality? That's right. You know, and the healing process is ongoing because, you know, it's a day by day because life is life. You know what I mean? Life is life. And I've had friends in my life that I've had to cut off. You know, you know my story. Why would you even pull that out around me? You know, why would you even do that in front of me? You know, um, and it was a choice I had to make during those times where I did love myself enough. I had to really learn to love myself because I felt like nobody loved me. You know, like, why you don't love me? Why don't you love me? You know, my grandmother loved me. She adored me. But, you know, that's your grandmother, you know. And my father loved me, you know, but, you know, that's your dad. He's supposed to. That's what I felt, you know. But, you know, I look back and, and I thought about things. It's a day by day, sometime minute by minute, even to the day. You know, I don't get the urge to use because I made a decision. When they said that you will pick up where you left off once you get clean, I believed it. I did believe that. You pick up where you left off. And I know people that have the word relapsed and they didn't make it back to get to that next level. So I'm not in denial anymore. You you know what I mean? But it's still an ongoing process. You know, it has taken me a minute, Harold. I look in the mirror sometime and I'll be like, thank you, Lord, for the way that I look. You know, like Holly, no fine lines or wrinkles, no joke. And I'm, can I say how old I am? I, you know, I just turned 60, but I feel like I'm, my body, I feel like I'm 30-ish, you know, and uh, I just have a lot of gratitude about that, you know, because I could look a whole different way. But the beauty of it is, it wasn't your story. God had a bigger plan for your life. That is the beauty of it all. 
Now, I know we've discussed how you've gotten so attached to cocaine and the disease of addiction has had taken a stance in your life. And we led all the way up into you going to rehab and finally having that aha moment that things can be better and things have to change. What we haven't discussed yet is what was next after rehab. And we will touch base with that next week. But before I go into something else I want to do, I want to put a message out there to anybody who's listening, who has dealt with addiction and are you still dealing with those guilts and and those pressures or people who are dealing with that right now? And or again, if you're listening and you know someone who is, I repeat, your story is just beginning. You have time to make a change. It's not over. Don't throw in a towel. Get in the game. The game of sobriety. The game of overcoming. The game of winning. You can do it. There's a um, song by the artist Khalid. And it's called Vertigo. And he says in his lyrics, are we better off believing what the ignorance suggests? I wish living life was easy, but mine has been a mess. They say it comes with the seasons, but the seasons come and go. I go blurry when I'm thinking, is it me or Vertigo? Criticize who am I to give up? I'm breathing. What's the reason to let up? Sympathize, who am I to give up? Putting on my favorite get up. Are we alive or are we dreaming? After the ride, are you leaving? Are we alive or are we dreaming? After the ride, are you leaving? I am going to go ahead and share this song with you and it's from his album, Sun City, Khalid, Vertigo. Are we better off believing what the ignorance suggests? I wish living life was easy. Mine has been a mess They say it comes with the seasons mm-hmm. But the seasons come and go, they go I go blurry when I'm thinking Is it me or vertigo?
been broken I've been battered up in pain I wish I was more outspoken But the words are out of reach mm -hmm. Thought I loved you in the moment I was happy I was gone I've been learning, I've been growing is yet to come up this week's episode of Get Your Positivity with Harold Keith. Listen, stay encouraged through the week. Check out my website, www.itsharoldkeith.com. Also, follow me on Instagram at It's Harold Keith. And if you have Facebook, you can follow me there too. Guess what it is? Yup, at It's Harold Keith. And while you're showing so much love, make sure you subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Looking forward to keeping you encouraged. And I will definitely be seeing you next week. Remember, real life, real issues, real experiences, real possibilities with real people. And not to mention a real you. Until next week, remember, get your positivity. All right. That's a wrap, folks. Ha, 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 ha.